your home of the Pens and the best Pens coverage. WXDX FM Pittsburgh and iHeart Radio Station. Some things you have to see to believe. Like, for instance, the Pittsburgh Penguins going on the road and losing to the Detroit Red Wings after the Red Wings had played one of the worst months in the history of hockey. I had to see it to believe it. Some things you have to hear to believe. Like the news that Le'Veon Bell apparently is asking for even more money. So you listen for yourself to believe it. Here's Aditi Kikabwala from the NFL Network. Le'Veon Bell wants $17 million a year. He wants to be paid exactly like Antonio Brown is paid. I was just told earlier today, it's not about the guarantee. It's about the per year average. He wants to be paid like Antonio Brown. Why you shake the cobwebs out of your ears or smack yourself on the skull and say, huh? Let's go to the second part of that quote. The first part in and of itself, he's asking for more money after even a lot of people who are on his side about how talented he is, like me, are telling him he's asking for way too much money. The second part of that, say that again, the average annual value is what matters to him. It's just an ego thing. All that says to me is this is nothing but 100% about ego. An ego not just amongst other running backs because he's doubling everybody else at that point, but ego amongst his own teammates. The average annual value, when has that ever mattered in a football contract? When has that ever mattered? That's just play money. It changes within the contract. Like, it looks good when you sign it. Then when, you know, your team needs cap space and they come to you, you change your contract anyway and you get more money up front in a signing bonus. Like, average annual value is just an ego stroke. What matters is the guaranteed money. Like, last year, when he said, I'm not going to sign, when we all heard $42 million, and he said basically through his agent that the guaranteed money is what mattered, okay, I thought it was enough, but okay, if the language is funky, or there's too many outs for the Steelers, or it's not guaranteed against injury versus guaranteed against drug use again or suspension or whatever, and you didn't like the language, I got it. But if you're telling me that this is all about average annual value and it's an ego thing, he's lost me even more than he's lost me already. And I was one of the last guys in his corner about how much the Steelers should pay him. Like, I thought the Steelers pushed the envelope too much at 13.1. But now to hear he's asking for 17 just because he wants to look like A.B., Hey, I get it. Posturing? But what posturing is being done here? All he's doing is hurting himself in the public eye. I, I don't get this from Le'Veon Bell. Go ahead, tell me what you think. 412-333-9939. Back to the phones. Let's talk to Justin in Orlando next. Hi, Justin. You're on 105.9 The X. Hey, how's it going, Tim? Good, Justin. Uh, do you feel like the most defensive problems that the Pens have are sometimes their laps and, and uh, puck watching? Because I've seen that a couple times last night, especially on that penalty kill, that they just were not, they're turning and just watching and looking at the puck and just not looking to where their man was. Or uh, you know, The penalty picking. kill was not the first goal, was it? Uh, no. I think the first goal is the one where it was the most dramatic. I thought Jay Caulfield did a nice job of telestrating that after the first period where everybody just got mesmerized by what Helm was doing and they left, uh, who was it, wide open? Was it a Cronwall that took the shot? 
Uh, I guess it was yeah, yeah, Cronwall. Yeah, he ended up taking the shot. Yeah, from he snuck in from the point. Right. Um, yeah, I, I think it has been a problem, but I think. I think part of the reason why that's a problem, Justin, is the tracking back to the zone. You know what I mean? Like, they're watching yeah. as they're tracking back to the zone to see where the puck is going, and they're missing somebody else who's wide open. You, you catch my drift? And I think that's yeah, what I we've seen you. a lot of. Yeah, and, 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 you know, I've talked to a lot of people about this, and, you know, it's just, uh, it keeps on going, and it's a, it's a minor fix, and, uh, it's just, Sucks that we still have to talk about this. Yeah, it's a it's a minor fix if you can get them to listen, but getting them to listen is the issue. And every coach that the Penguins have had, be it Mike Terrian, be it Dan Bilesma, be it um, now even at, at times last year and this year, Mike Sullivan, it's getting these guys to listen. When you're a star player and you think you can do whatever you want skills-wise, sometimes you just tune out to the basics of what you're talking about, not getting caught puck-watching. That's a basic. Joe's calling from Ocean City. Hi, Joe. You're on 105.9 The X. Yeah, I think um, I'd say there's two things. You know, the obvious one is the penalty kill. You know, you can measure that. It's just it's not there. But the one you guys were just kind of touching on it. They're making fundamental mistakes. You know, they're they're not picking people up. They're losing. You know, passing. I mean, it's just they're not covering mistakes. up when the defense pinches down the wall, going yeah. to the offensive end. And these are veterans. I mean, these are guys that have been playing together for years. You know, premier. I mean, where do you go with that? How do you you know, where's the fix? Oh, that's my point. Like That's what yeah. I said earlier in the program, and thanks for resetting that for me, Joe. That's exactly what I said at the outset of the show, which is for as much as Mike Sullivan wants to talk about not getting to the dirty areas, as much as he wants to say being willing to take a cross-check in the back and deflect the puck in or, you know, bang home a rebound, tie up a stick so somebody else can get there, that's all fixable stuff. And when that stuff gets fixed because you happen to pop in three or four goals in a game and you win 4-3 in overtime, it looks like, hey, the coach said what he said and now the team is responding. Well, you don't have an answer to make Chad Ruedel better. You don't have an answer to make Connor Sheary more stout and sound responsibly on defense. Like You can't just make that happen. And that's why they're in the quandary that there are beyond that that they are rather beyond just hey they're dog tired or they're just waiting for the playoffs to start. Uh, these are not necessarily fixable elements. It's, it's akin to what we talked about at the end of the season with the Steelers. You can't just make Vince Williams into a better coverage linebacker because Ryan Shazier got hurt. Doesn't work that way. Sometimes you just have to outscore your deficiencies defensively. And I think the Penguins are falling into that similar trap that was put forth, unfortunately, before our very eyes at the end of the Steelers' season. Pete calling from his car and wants to discuss Lev. Hi, Pete. Hey, Jim, how are you? Good. Hey, uh, uh, I know that Le'Veon Bell's agent has an obligation to get him the most money possible, and it, it behooves him to do that because ultimately he gets a cut of that. But at what point... Is, does it become his obligation, his agents rather, to tell him, hey, you're being too foolish here and you need to, you're asking for too much? I think the greatest obligation right now for the agent is to say, shut up, because he's just making it worse. And he's making it so much easier. Whether the Steelers will ever admit this or not, Pete, there's a level of pressure from the fan base to keep a great player, right? But the yeah. more that Bell talks and the more that he pushes his number out to the stratosphere, the easier it is, like I just said, for people like me who are still very much in his corner athletically to say, he's asking for too much, let him go. And that's where I think the agent might be cutting off his nose to spite his face by saying we're going to get a huge payday down the, down the line 
Well, maybe you're not to the point that you're asking, and you could get so much more here. If I'm an agent and I got a running back in a position like Lev Bell, and I'm looking at a 13.1 on average yearly payout, I'm saying, Lev, that's good enough. Sign it. Even your mom said sign it. But apparently, from everything I've heard, the agent and Bell aren't all that dissimilar in their approach to thinking they could get a ton more on the open market. I don't know how much more they think they can really get. Yeah, that's, that's a damn shame because we're going to end up losing a uh, talent player over an ego. I agree, especially when we were talking about average annual value. He made more sense last year when he argued against the number that he was offered than he has so far this year. Adam. It's calling from the Squirrel Hill Tunnel, so my guess is the chances of this phone call getting on cleanly are slim or none, but we'll give it a shot. There we go. <laughs> like, <laughs> when you tell the call screener, I'm calling from inside the tunnel, you're just baiting me to make a snarky comment, aren't you? Brady calling from his car. Lev Bell has as much chance of getting $17.5 million on average as that call from the tunnel has of getting on the air. Go ahead, Brady. Hey, uh, do, you, do you think he just wants the Steelers to say, all right, we'll give you your 15 mil? Do you think he thinks that the Steelers are that stupid? I don't know how much more he thinks they're going to. Well, yeah, maybe he does. Maybe because he's that dumb, he thinks other people are dumb enough to do it. I, I don't know, but I've never known in my time negotiating any contract where I've given a number, the other side says they're not coming higher, so then I ask for more. I, I don't know how that's productive to getting a long-term deal done. If, if that's his thinking, then God's honest truth. What he should just do is sign the franchise tag now. Because at this point, he's not asking to get a long-term deal done. He's just slowing the process of that happening. Then just sign the deal. Sign the papers now. Make your 14.5 and walk. You know? Yeah. Now, now, what do you think he would say if the Steelers offered him $2.5 million less than they already have? If they offered him $2.5 million less than... When are you saying less than? Less than when... At what, what point? What was, their, what was their last offer? Well, if you believe what Lev said this offseason, which was they got up to above 13.1, then 13, the, the highest number I've seen associated with a Steeler offer is $13.1 million. On okay. average, over the life of a contract. Now, if they offered him 11, would that be sending him a message saying, you know, we're not, we're not coming up. We're giving you, we gave you the chance to take 13. You're not taking it. So now we're going to offer you 11. We're going to come down as much as you want up. Offer him one. Just offer him a million bucks. I, you could turn it into a pissing match if you want, I guess. I mean, that's basically what you're saying, right? Okay, you asked, you asked for $2.5 million more, so we're going to offer you $2.5 million less. What, to look good? And then you just negotiate the whole thing through Aditi Kinkabwala and the NFL Network? I don't see that's productive to getting anything done. 412-333-9939. Uh, plenty of people want to talk about Lev. I understand why. Plenty of people want to talk about the Pens. I understand why. We're going to continue doing that. Mike Rupp is going to join us a little bit later on from the NHL Network and, of course, AT&T Sportsnet. We'll get his thoughts on the Penguins, too. Uh, work in one quick comment about the pick coaching search and get to all your calls on the Lev Bell situation and on the Penguins, too. All that to come next here on 105.9 The X. Look. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Mark. I'm super excited to be calling you right now. He's brittle. He's a mind. He's not an arm. He's a brain. He's not a body. The X at 105.9. 
Brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. It's the Mark Madden Show with me, Tim Benz, here on 105.9 The X. One really fast thought on the pick coaching hire of Jeff Capel, since a lot of people still want to talk about Lev Bell's increased demands and also about the Penguins' deficiencies of late as we approach the playoffs, we hope, for the Pens. And that is... I, I have to reiterate, because I don't want it to get lost in the analysis, I think that getting Jeff Capel is a coup here based on the way things looked like they were going. I, I just, especially after being over there today at the press conference, I wonder if maybe they overcomplicated things or overthought things or didn't see the forest through the trees with him, potentially. And I still couldn't get a sense walking away what the sequence was. Like, for instance... Okay, they set their sights on Danny Hurley. Danny Hurley says no. He goes to UConn for slightly less money than he would have gotten at Pitt, and that's no great shame. You know, the chance to rebuild UConn for just a few fewer dollars, okay, I, I could see that, especially in the American as opposed to the ACC with an actual roster as opposed to the one that you didn't have it looked like at Pitt. That, that's no great shame. So if the next move had just been, hey, we're calling Jeff Capel, he's an assistant at Duke, and... Let's see how that goes, or somehow you leak word out there, and all this stuff leaks all the time. I mean, the media gets leaks from agents. Uh, how do you think the Mike Hopkins thing got started? What, what do you think that was? That was an agent who found out how much Danny Hurley got offered, realized his guy just got $1.8 million to be the coach of the year in the Pac-12, and said, I got to get my guy some more money, so let me leverage Pitt. He was never going to go to Pitt. That was never going to happen. So maybe at Pitt, then you leak it out that, Jeff Capel's on our radar. We just can't get him until after his team is out. And you know what? Maybe you could have. It's not the most complicated thing in the world to be an assistant and coach the rest of your time at an institution or at another team. It happens all the time. It's not earth-shattering stuff. You know, I felt like even like Wojciechowski, didn't we know he was going earlier than when he left from Duke? I feel like, certainly than compared to Capel, I feel like we did. I feel like we knew that. Or maybe I'm thinking of Collins. I don't know. But one of those guys, I felt like we knew the destination long before he left Coach K's bench. And you know, some of the negative press and some of the um, you know barbs that were thrown at Pitt about how the coaching search was going, it was kind of like we knew that Mark Schmidt, we knew that Nate Oates, we knew that uh, Odom for UMBC, they were never going to rebuild this program. But I think Capel could. Like those guys saying we're not interested. Yeah, they probably shouldn't be interested because they knew they weren't going to last. Jeff Capel might last because he's a name. You can give Jeff Capel seven years and think it's going to work. You couldn't give those other guys seven years. And I just think maybe some unnecessary negative press came the way of Pitt if they had played the PR game quietly better, if even they needed to do that. Just say, hey, Coach K, we're taking your guy. We want to see what he thinks. I don't know if it was a matter of being polite or, or, or what, but Jeff Capel said today he didn't get a phone call until the day before their Sweet 16 game. Well, who's guilty of that? And kind of letting Pitt twist in the wind after the Danny Hurley thing. Or not having him in queue and maybe have already spoken to him. Like, is Jeff Capel going to be offended and say you're going to talk to Danny Hurley first? He certainly didn't act that way today. Just a thought. You know, Like I said, in the long, long run, they made a good hire. They got the right guy, but... I think some unnecessary negative press may have been thrown the way of Pitt, and especially from people like me who just didn't know that Jeff Capel was in the mix. Maybe they sold themselves short and didn't think they could get him. Maybe they really were talking to John Shire or thinking about John Shire and thinking to themselves, oh, we're not going to get this guy. He's going to fill in for Coach K once he retires. And next thing you know, maybe Jeff Capel's agent said, hey, they're offering $3.5 million to Pitt. 
or thereabouts, 3.25. What do you think? Oh, yeah, I'll do it. And then perhaps they reached out to the search form or, or reached out to Eddie Fogler. I don't know. At least they wound up with a good guy, a good hire. And I, I think that's important in the final analysis, most important. And, you know, he won the press conference today, and I, I think he's going to change the tone quickly at Pitt. It was a good hire. 412-333-9939. Chris is calling from Cranberry on the pens, though. Hi, Chris. Go ahead. You're up next. Hey, Tim. How are you? Good. Good. Hey, I think one of the biggest problems for the pens right now, um, among other things, I think it's the defensive unit as a whole isn't controlling the gap very well. Um, you know, if they tighten up that gap as the team's coming through the neutral zone, you know, they can force turnovers, have that quick turnaround, that quick transition that, you know, we used to really capitalize on, but also give the other team a harder time gaining entry into our zone. You know, it seems like right now they're they're backing into the zone and the other team's going to step on them, they're turning the corner. And they're getting well, let me say this, Chris, because I, I agree. And, like, not only do I agree with your point, but I agree with the point of another caller who said it's a lack of physicality in their own zone. I agree with Mark's point about the fact that they're pinching too much and they're not getting back and back-checking. I, I agree with the guy who called up before and said that the Penguins are doing a good enough job of minding their guys and they're getting stuck puck-watching and creating passing lanes to get out to the points defensively. I, I agree with every point that's been made. <laughs> so here, herein lies the dilemma. How do you fix that? It, it's sort of like, again, as we talked about at the end of last season, boy, things look bad without Shazier. Okay, how do you fix it? You know, is this are they at the point now where they're going to have to win playoff games five to four and four to three in overtime, and just hope that they get there without the benefit of a lot of uh, power play chances? Because that's what's starting to make me sweat here. Some is that the the formula to get around the deficiencies that we all agree on that changes once you get to the postseason, right? Right. Yeah, that's. Yeah, the, I mean, I think I think that's an easier fix of some of the other issues. You know, if you remember, I think what was it, two years ago in the playoffs when Mata came back? You know, everybody was complaining about his play at that point. And last year he was outstanding, you know, and that was the biggest thing. It was He, he was more comfortable with a tighter gap, you know, going for the Yeah, box. I thought he was good yeah. until maybe the uh, Predator series, and then he got a little wobbly at times there, but uh, in the early part of the series, first couple games. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. The, the issue of controlling gaps defensively has been one worthy of discussion. Steve in Monroeville. Hi, Steve. You're on 105.9 The X. Real quick, Steve. Yeah. Hi, Tim. Um, I just wanted to make the argument for Lev Bell making A.B. money. Um, A.B. continually leads the league in receiving, and Lev Bell continually leads the league in rushing. They're above top-tier one players, both of them. But what I don't hear is Lev Bell takes more hits during a game than A.B. And I think in that regard, why shouldn't he make A.B. money? Because you don't get paid by the hit that you take. In fact, part of the reason why he's not making that much money, I don't know why you haven't heard this yet, because that's all that everybody's talking about, is that running backs burn out quickly for that exact reason. You can't give a guy, on average, $17.5 million, when, to your exact point, he's less likely to be there by the back end of the contract. I get your premise, but your premise is self-defeating for the argument itself, which is locking somebody up long-term with a cap number that's going to be unnecessarily inflated on the back end versus what the rest of the market demands. When we come back, Mike Rupp from the NHL Network, also from AT&T Sportsnet. We talked to him about the Penguins, some of the issues they've had. That's next here on 105.9 The X. This is Connor Sherry of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 The X.
Auto Palace Porsche, make every day a Porsche day with the new McCann. Tim Benz in for Mark, being joined right now by NHL analyst for the NHL Network and AT&T Sportsnet. It is Mike Rupp, former Pittsburgh Penguin. Rupp, good to talk to you again. Hey, thanks for having me on, man. Got lots of lots of Penn stuff to uh, break down here, huh? Uh, too much in terms of goals allowed, because I don't think the defense has been very good at all lately. How about you? Um, yeah, maybe it hasn't been where it's at, but I, I you know, I, I kind of like moving some guys around and seeing what 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 you got and and uh we've seen that a lot at the forward lines we don't always see it on the back end i think we've been accustomed to having um certain guys together all the time and you know maybe that's time to move on and and, and get a different i don't know a different kind of layout to the the decor and um you know using guys uh with different partners and see if that can spark something it does on the on the the offensive side of the puck uh defensively just I don't know, seem a little fragile right now and uh, um, something that certainly needs to get cleaned up. Let's get more specific then, Mike, on the defensive pairs. Who should be paired with whom, and do you see Hunwick coming back in the lineup? Um, I, you know what? I, I, like, I, I like Matt Hunwick a lot. I think he's a, he's a pro, and, and I found that in my career over the years, when you have a, a guy who's been in playing professional hockey and, and obviously has NHL experience and um, those guys, you know, you, you could take, and I'm not saying Matt Hunwick is that, you can take a guy who's played, um, you know, a couple hundred NHL games and, and played even the last three years in the American Hockey League. They understand circumstances, and they understand the uh, uh, how to manage a hockey game, and those guys are pretty pretty good, and you know what you're going to get out of them. Um, this team's looking for that. They need that, they, whether it's Chad Riedel, Matt Hunwick, um, you know, uh, Alexiak, uh, these guys, we, I, I'd like to see just managing the game a little bit better. Um, and, you know, when you have these guys, that, as much as I love and we've become accustomed to having Latang and Dumoulin together, maybe maybe it's the best to kind of separate those guys and, and see what can happen. But then you got to also have someone that fully understands how to play with the Chris Latang. Um, because it's not a normal defensive partner you have. There's a lot of great things that he'll bring that you can kind of uh, uh, just give him the puck and, and watch him do his thing. But then there's also times where you got to know when when he's think and go and and when he's not. So um, there's there's some pieces that um, need to fall into place here, and uh, I, I think that coaching staff will be pushing those buttons. All right then, Mike. If you are replacing Mike Sullivan tomorrow night, then against the New Jersey Devils, who are your six that you dress, and how do you pair them up? Um, my six, my six that I would go with, uh, I'd probably go with. Um, you know what? I I think a guy like uh, I'd pull Chris Letang aside, and I'd say uh, Tanger, you're you're our anchor guy back here. You've got to be our bestie on both sides of the puck. Therefore. We're going to put you with someone who we need you to make them better. So I would stick Justin Schultz with Ryan Dumoulin probably um, and take a, a Chris Letang, whether that's with, with uh, Alexiak or, I mean, honestly, I'd like to even see what a Hunwick would do with him just to see. I mean, that's a lot of minutes. So you, that guy's probably not going to play, but let's see if he can handle it. He's a pro, and he's he's been pretty valuable, Matt Hunwick, in his career when he was with the New York Rangers. Um, they had a year there where, their team was really struggling defensively, and he was one of the better ones, to be honest. And uh, he had some uh, some good time in, in Toronto. I think he has the the headspace to handle uh, a little bit more. See if he can handle it. Um, you know, I I, I just uh, uh, I think that you need to shake it up. And most importantly, uh, I think 
this is the time where you lean, lean on Chris Letang and, and say, hey, bud, this is, this is your decor. You need to take it. So you're saying then you would put Hunwick back in, have him with Letang. Dumoulin with Schultz would be the other pair that you referenced before, thus leaving Mata with Alexiak? No, uh, it would be, uh, it'd be Schultz, Dumoulin, um, Alexiak, Letang, and Hunwick, Mata. Okay. I, I basically left out Ruedel. Um, yeah. I like Chad Ruedel a lot. But I, I think that's been pretty clear. It's probably going to be either him or or Hunwick in. Well, let's take this one step further then, because I don't think it's just about the defensemen, and I'm sure you don't either, Mike, because I don't think the forwards have done a good enough job defensively either. No, no, yeah. It's not it's not a you know, I, I think a lot of it too is um let's use last night's game as an example. You know, when you can when you can you can pot a goal early in a game against a non playoff team. You got to be able to step on their throat and uh, not let them not let them get back into it. And uh, I think a lot of that, you know, we talk about the D side of it, but it's about playing in the other end. And and as dumb as it sounds, and we hear it all the time, the best defense is a good offense. And this team um, certainly has offensive weapons that could put numbers on the board. But I'd like just to just to manage the game on the offensive side a little bit more too, holding on to pucks. Um, when you make a team have to come through your layers of defense. I mean, if you're making a team come 200 feet, I always, it's kind of hard to visualize it, but if you're making a team come from by their goal line with the puck, you basically, they got to get through three layers um, to get to your goaltender. And if you're going to cut that ice in half or you're not going to spend enough time down there, and all of a sudden you're making it, you know, two layers of defense or one layer, um, it, it gives the team a little bit of an easy out. And uh, I think that just, just maybe not forcing plays on the offense and just holding on to pucks, being a little bit more patient. I find that when they're playing against these uh, quote-unquote weaker teams, which is always hard to play this time of year, um, it's the patience, their patience is tested a little bit. And just be patient. I mean, you're a better team than they are, certainly, in the Detroit Red Wings situation, but most teams you're going to play against, if you just uh, lean on them and keep leaning, uh, you're going to certainly get your chances. Mike Rupp with us, NHL analyst for the NHL Network and AT&T Sportsnet. Mike, here's a list of complaints that we've had from callers, uh, from myself, from Mark earlier in the show, about them defensively, and you tell me which is the most glaring. Too much puck watching, not enough shot blocking, poor back checking. Which of those have jumped off the page at you the most over these last nine games where the Pens have gone four and five? Um, I'd, probably say, I'd probably say a little bit of puck watching. Um, that'd be one... That when this team's at its best, the forwards, the D, you're jumping, you're going, you're aggressive, you're forcing the team, you're making your legs do the work, and you're getting, you're closing the gap and making the, making making whoever has the puck on the other team, you know, make a, a rash decision, and and maybe if if I've always been under the uh, the idea of if you're just when you're watching teams and, and you're pressuring all over the ice and everyone's on the same page, if a guy's gonna saucer a pass, you know, through the eye of a needle. You got to tip your hat, but you got to make them try it, and uh, you got to force them to make the play. If you're just going to that one second of watching where the puck's going to go, and you're not anticipating, now everyone's in the NHL. Listen, if you give me a second, I can make a pass too. Everybody, everybody can. But now the difference between me and some of these other elite players in the league when I was playing was now you put me under pressure. Well, guess what? I'm probably not going to dip and dangle and find that passing lane and sauce one through. Um, 
force them to do that. There's not so many guys that can do it. If they do, you can live with that. But right now, I think it's just a just seem a little bit behind, just a step behind right now. Is the penalty kill something that's just going to be doomed to be below average throughout the run in the playoffs, and simply something that they're going to have to overcome as opposed to it getting much better on its own? Um, it, it, the, the penalty kill did a good job of working its way back up to being pretty decent, and then and then started slipping. I'd say over the last month or so. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and so it's just about getting it back to there. I think. When you ask when you ask teams and teams I played for and coaches uh, going into the playoffs, um, unless your penalty and power play is clicking at thirty percent for thirty percent, penalty kill is more important than your power play. You can live and you can survive with your power play struggling a little bit in the playoffs, but you can't survive with a bad PK. So you know you're not. I don't think we can ask this PK to be superheroes, but just uh, just uh, just be consistent. And be good. And uh, I think if this team is operating under the the percentage that would put them in the the top, you know, twelve, that's something you can work with. And they've got enough pieces on this team to uh, to, to compensate for it. So um, I don't know if it's going to get outstanding, uh, but it's it's something that just it has to start uh, becoming a little bit better because you're going to need to lean on it. Mike Rupp from the NHL Network, Tim Benson from Mark Bad today. How have you felt Murray has played over the last three weeks or so, Mike? Um, I thought that, you know, dating back to his first game back, I thought he was really good. I thought he was really good. And, um, it's, it's so hard to evaluate that because you miss time and, and, and goaltenders from talking to goaltenders over the years, you can survive your first couple games and, and be pretty on point, but then things start settling in. And if we're looking at it as a whole, when Matt Murray's trying to settle in now, the team, like we just mentioned, is puck watching, and these other things are happening. So, a goalie's numbers and a, and a goalie's success um, has a lot to do with the guys in front of him. Let's not lie. Uh, unless you're unless you're on a team, uh, you know, you could look as far as Carey Price. When Carey Price is having his um, all-star type seasons and, and at the top of his game, they're a team that's hard to score against. And you know, now you see a team that isn't hard to score against. Carey Price looks human. Um, so I, I think Matt Murray, I love listening to him talk. He doesn't, I love the questions after games when he answers them. He's got the perfect mindset for a goaltender. I think Matt Murray's going to be just fine. Uh, I just think that right now things aren't, uh, prim and proper in front of him. Are you at the point yet, Mike, or should we be that having them actually qualify for the playoffs is up for debate or in question? <laughs> um, I'm not there yet. I'm, I, I wouldn't be debating that. Uh, I think that you look at it differently, though. I, I think it went from it went from hey, let's you know make sure, or, or let's let's get a nice push here to catch Washington. Um, you have certain things in in your head that you're looking at. Let's keep Columbus back from us a little bit. Let's keep home ice. Um, now there's other things that you don't really want to think about. Do well, well, the home ice thing is one thing, Mike, because normally in the past I haven't fretted much about that, but they are disproportionately yeah. worse on the road well, this year than what they were in recent home. seasons. The way they play the PPG over the last couple, you know, couple seasons, you obviously want to play hockey there as much as you can. Right, uh, they've been dominant there. But now all of a sudden I think you're looking at it and you, you don't want to look at it and, and while you're playing you don't look at it that way. But uh, us uh, as fans and, and guys watching and breaking it down, you got to be a little bit nervous that it could get to the point where you could have a 
first-round matchup against Washington. I don't think anybody wants that, even though all the ownership uh, that we've seen over the past has been in the Penguins' favor. That's not an ideal matchup for you. So you know what you do with all that? You wound, you know, you, you put it up in a ball and you just toss it in the trash and you just say, hey, we got to win our next game. And that's all you can worry about right now. You can't look at any of that other garbage. Just win your next game. And then when that one's done, you put it behind you and you, and you work on the next one. Um, as easy and as dumb as that sounds, you can't get in your head in this position. You can't look behind you. You just got to take the next game in hand. Finally, Mike, on that exact note to wrap up, the next game is against New Jersey. Why has that been such a sticking point for the Penguins this year? You know what? I did a breakdown last week on NHL Network about it and was going back to the success that they had prior to the last week. The Devils play Pittsburgh the way that when Pittsburgh's at its best, needs to play. Uh, and that is guys are just all over. I, I look at this Devils team, and I see a bunch of Brian Russ flying around the ice creating havoc, just, just, just getting in the way, being a nuisance, breaking up passes, forcing teams to make plays, and they have guys who are capitalizing on it. And Taylor Hall's been fantastic. Um, if the shoe's on the other foot and the Penguins do that to the Devils, and they haven't done it yet this year, the Devils can't handle that. But they haven't seen it yet. So as, as easy as we can say, hey, the, the, the Devils have won all three games. Um, they haven't seen that yet. And I've gone back and watched those three games. And uh, that's something I think that you've got to start showing these teams now. Because who knows? Uh, this is the time where you start sending messages. You've got the Devils off the top of my head. You've got Devils. You've got Capitals. You've got Columbus down the stretch here. All three of those teams, you might see them here soon in the playoffs, potentially. Uh, you got to start sending messages now. Mike, thanks, as always. Appreciate the time. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, as always, for coming on. Hey, thanks, Menzi. All right, that is Mike Rupp from the AT&T Sportsnet broadcast and the NHL Network as well. 412 333 9939. When we come back, Bob McLaughlin joins me as always before the top of the five o'clock hour. The two biggest trends in Pittsburgh floating tiki tours and Uber ambulance rides. We tackle both of these conspiring topics here in Pittsburgh next here on 1059 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. He erupts, he clears his throat, says something meaningless. Who would win in a fight? Lemmy or God? I think it's a trick question. Lemmy is God. The X at 105.9. Bob McLaughlin joins me right now, as always, at this time in the Mark Madden Show. Tim in for Mark, 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. Bob, two very important stories have developed here in recent days in Pittsburgh, both of which need to be addressed. First and foremost, the trend of people faking illnesses to use ambulances as free Uber rides. I read this story, and the first thing I thought of was, why haven't I thought of this before? Why would you need it, though, with Uber? Like, Because you don't just... have money to pay for your Uber. Yeah, but if they don't have money to pay for an Uber, they probably don't have insurance to pay for that ambulance ride. <laughs> of course they don't. And are but they, they don't going... take your money there. It doesn't come out of your debit account there right away. Now, I know. Are they going to somewhere specifically near, say, AGH or Mercy, or do they just get out? Like... Do they well, just, here you go. Here, here you go. Do All they right. jump out of the bed at the stop sign closest to their destination? Uh, Leanne Armstrong, 25 of Greensburg, at 9 a.m. March the 20th, according to the Trib, Armstrong, who was at home in the 1200 block of uh, Ligonier Street in Latrobe, called for a mutual aid ambulance, uh, claiming a complication with their pregnancy. She was then delivered to Westmoreland Hospital in Greensburg, where she was placed in a room to be examined. <laughs> 
She is then seen. She is selling it. Right, exactly. She's then seen by hospital security um, with a man who is not charged exiting through the emergency room door. So they drop her off. She sits in the room. She gets up and she just walks away. So she just needed to get from point A closer to point B to get home. And then I believe they found her. Yeah, that's right. Police went to her home on Russell Avenue, but her companion said that she wasn't there. Officers found her hiding in the attic. Police said the apartment, <laughs> quote, smelled like marijuana. And no. police seized a digital scale, two smoking pipes, and a small bag of marijuana. Oh, that poor kid. So she's now then hiding in a crawl space, getting baked, and she just needed to get from point A to get closer to point B so the boyfriend could pick her up, and then they could go back and get hot. And you say this is a trend like you have this seen this This is the second before. one. This is okay. the second one in recent days. Like, same lady? Free Uber. <laughs> who, who hadn't thought of this before? Isn't there like an access vehicle somewhere around that they could get a ride? You would from? think. You would think they they would if she can't afford that. Just Bob, give we live her the in the card. same society that you know calls nine one one when we don't get enough chicken McNuggets. Right. Yep. So you know this is this is how we think. Yeah. Go ahead and try and do that with the local police station. Right. Officer, yeah. I need a ride somewhere. Uh, the thing is, though, like if you look at yourself and you know what, I I could pass as pregnant, and you're not pregnant. Yeah, you got to take inventory of yourself at that point. Do you not? Then I got this. I'm sure the same type of bad decision went into getting her pregnant. <laughs> or even just getting high with her for crying out loud. How about this story, too? Um, Dale McHugh, some guy from Fort Lauderdale, has come up with the idea of cruising tiki's. Cruising tiki's are coming to Pittsburgh. And I can't wait. Have this you looks- seen this, the footage of this? Oh, my God, yeah. That's all I've been doing since the story came out today. Yeah, well, actually, it came out a couple days ago. I heard about this two days ago. I saw the footage yesterday, and now I'm just following up on it today. But Cruz and Tiki's, we got to work on the price, though, don't we? Yeah, 67 bucks per person for a two-hour cruise. Uh, well, yeah, but that's if you get that's if you get the full thing, and that's no tip. That's no tip because right. there is a captain involved. See, when I heard, uh, let's let's lay it out. Okay, okay go let's ahead. lay it out. Six people on a little tiki hut floating around the Allegheny. Like right. I don't know where you disembark from if and the bar is built around the captain's wheel right the captain's wheel is there he steers the bar is around it you bring your own onto the tiki hut and you float around i would guess the greater confluence area for it's kind of like the gateway clip and it's motorized though i didn't think it would be motorized i thought it was an actual float no i don't think you float i think you gotta have some sort of control because i'm you gotta... actually kind of pissed it was motorized i wanted to like hook into a big river cat and just have that drag us around for a while but to your point though 400 bucks that's the, like if you want to do this for just two people right you want to take your girlfriend out and propose because they think that they say here that it's for proposals like a lot of people do proposals on these right and bachelor parties bachelor it's, like, parties. it's like the party peddler on the north side exactly north shore, yeah you said for the river you go up with and down a the much river. greater chance of losing your life. <laughs> I don't know if you have to wear life jackets, but life jackets are available. Oh, I bet you do. And I don't know what you get to make on it. Like, you know, can you make pina coladas? Is, are there electronics on there? Can you make a Mai Tai? Or is it just straight, you know, you're pounding beers. You're just shotgunning natty lights. Uh, well, there. I don't know if there would be electric stuff. On that little tiki boat. And when I saw down in Florida, there's like a fleet of them. He's yeah. got a couple of them. Is it just one here? Oh, I bet it, I bet they're going to have to have more. They're going to have to have like a fleet. I yeah. don't know. I think you got to lower the price. 400 sounds steep to me. Oh, Tim. You, we were just talking about bad decisions that got the lady <laughs> pregnant. If you're into a party, if you're planning some hell of a party downtown, 
You definitely want to do the the floating tiki bar. Yeah, I know, but I mean, you're buying the beer in advance. You're like you said, you got to tip the guy. Tim, why not go right to Bruno Island where they, you oh, know, where they bury all the bodies where, and they grow weed. And they grow weed and right. just just beat yourself head up. But there. it only goes four to six miles an hour. That's a long way up to Bruno Island, and then come back in two hours if you want to get up and down the Allegheny, and if you want to catch a Tyler Glass now home run ball. Tim, how fast do you want to go on one of our rivers on a That's tiki true. hut? That's true. Because um, you know what the rivers are right now with all the flooding and everything. They're pure sand. Annotation. Final bad decision. Danny Amendola dumping Olivia Culpa. Uh, look, I don't know about leaving the Patriots to go to Miami, first and foremost. But secondly, what's he going to do, upgrade? So she was what? Miss Universe, Miss right? Universe. So he's 32, she's 25. He gets a new deal for big-time money in Miami. And he leaves her in Rhode Island. Right, and she's packing a cardboard box one day saying, hey, when are we going to Miami? Yeah, about that. Yeah, you just see the wheels burning out in the background. <laughs> like, I know there's lots, there's more per capita Olivia Colpo types down in Miami, but... She's the gold standard. You've seen her, right? Yeah, but he's watching ballers. That's all they talk about in the locker room. You know, it just somehow didn't work out. Don't for those you look crazy at Brady kids. and say, you know what? He did all right with Giselle. <laughs> I, I like. Don't you follow that lead? I kind of think you do. But his girlfriend doesn't make more money than him. Oh, that's true. Like Giselle does. So maybe that's what he's looking for down in Miami. All right. When we come back, if you missed the soundbite from Aditi Kikawala telling you how much Le'Veon Bell is asking for now. We'll play it for you. And then we'll also have some options coming from Matt Williamson as to how the Steelers can get around keeping Lev if they don't want to anymore or moving on from him after this year. That's coming up next in 30 seconds here on the Mark Madden Show.